Hey everyone, welcome to Breakthrough Conversations. My name is Danielle Perry and I am the host. You already know I'm excited that you're tuned in for another episode of this podcast. And if this is your first time, this is a podcast which features people of all ages and they share a bit of their story about how God has helped them to overcome a difficult challenge, situation, or a season in their lives, or maybe they're on their way to overcoming with God's help and they do share authentically. Well, I am excited, y'all, about this episode, which is episode 26. It features a dear friend of mine, Mrs. Tatiana Bell, and the title of this episode is Taking God Seriously After Losing My Daughter. Tatiana, thank you again for just sharing a bit of your story on this podcast, and I know it's going to bless others in your shoes. Um, For those who don't know, Tatiana and I met through my husband because they used to be co-workers. Um, They worked at the same school for a season, Um, and since then, um, I've also met her husband, and Jared and I have been on double dates with them, and it's just been a joy um, just spending time with them and just having great conversations, and um, I know that God has such a major plan for their lives, and he's going to continue to do mighty things um, in and through their marriage. I know that you probably weren't expecting me to say that, Tatiana. But um, I just felt led to say that, um, that God is going to absolutely do mighty things through you and Eric's lives um, individually and together. So I can't wait to see all that he's going to do. But y'all, without further ado, here it is, episode 26. Enjoy and be blessed. Tatiana Bell. How are you doing today? I am well. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you again for being a part taking time out of your busy schedule because you are a busy woman (laughs) as you're building your business. Yes, yes. Um, Thank you so much for being a part. And I know that uh, what you'll share today will definitely bless people who hear and listen, who hear and watch. Thank you for having me today. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the title of this episode is Taking God Seriously After Losing My Daughter. Um, You've shared a bit with me over the phone a while back, mm-hmm. um, sort of like a synopsis of um, your story, but I know I'm probably going to learn more mm-hmm. as we go on with this interview. So before we hop into the questions, I want you to introduce yourself and just tell a little bit about who you are. All right. So my name is Tatiana Bell. Um, I am a forged, for, former education, <laughs> educator. Sorry, mm-hmm. words today. You're fine. Um, I was, I've been in and out of education since I was 18 years old and recently decided to, um, quit teaching in Baltimore city schools and move on to being a full-time artist. Um, so that's been exciting. And, um, I'm married to my high school sweetheart, Eric Bell, and we recently moved back to Maryland from Florida about four years ago. So that's been an adventure as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Good stuff. And I'm going to have you shout out your business at the end. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So we are going to start out by having you talk to us a little bit about what was your childhood like growing up? Um, so if I were going to sum it up in one word, I'd say unpredictable. Um, I feel like my childhood was uh, a little chaotic, you know, not as chaotic as most, but mm-hmm. um, I really felt uh, unsure a lot of the times. My parents got divorced um, really young. Mm-hmm. I think um, they started to break up when I was about five, and by the time I was in the second grade, um, my mom had fully moved out, and we were living with my dad. Um, 
And that was, you know, really different because up until that point, my mom had pretty much been a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was used to her. So that was a little jarring. And then um, after a while, my dad moved out and my mom moved back in with her new boyfriend. And so that was a mm-hmm. whole other level mm-hmm. of chaos. Mm-hmm. So um, I just remember, you know, trying to keep my siblings in order, trying mm-hmm. to keep things calm, trying to keep things safe. Um but, you know, we did attend church. My dad um, was raised Episcopalian. Um, mm-hmm. My grandfather was a lay minister. Um, my gran- my great-grandfather was a minister. So they were very much in the church. Okay. Um, and my mom, you know, she went to Catholic school. She was mm-hmm. raised Catholic. Um, but, um, you know, outside of going to church on Sundays... Um, and not listening to secular music on Sundays and like little <laughs> mm-hmm, things mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. I really didn't understand what church was right. or what God was okay. and things like that. Okay. Yeah. And how many siblings do you have again? I'm the oldest of five. Really? Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay. I don't. I don't know why I didn't know you had five. Yep. Or the old. You were the oldest of five. Yep. Okay. Three brothers and one sister. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, we're gonna actually fast forward. Okay. To um, your senior year of high school. Okay. Because that's when you got saved, correct? Correct. So what led to that? Um. So I remember my mom, like we were, we had stopped going to church for a while. And then um, we started going to a church in, I think, Rockville called Church of the Redeemer. Mm-hmm. My mom started listening to like Joyce Myers tapes and things like that. And mm-hmm. just all of a sudden was like hungry for God again. I remember right around the same time my grandma as well was kind of on fire and so my mom started taking us to the church of the redeemer and i remember every sunday they would kind of do an altar call so one of the sundays you know um everyone was with their eyes closed supposedly except for me and i saw my brother put his hand up and i was kind of like hmm and it kind of like compelled me (laughs) Mm -hmm. to also put my hand up Mm -hmm. and at the end of church service they handed us like um the new a new testament bible Mm -hmm. and um, like these little battlefield books and things like that. And so I remembered that specifically. Okay. Yeah. Now you say your brother raising his hand compelled you. Yeah. Um, what did you feel inside? Like, did you, did you know how serious this step was that you were taking? No, not at all. Um, up until that point, I kind of had my own relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, after you know, I was saved, saved. That's mm-hmm. when I realized I was like, oh, that's what that was. I felt a, a before I went to sleep, I would talk to God and, mm-hmm. you know, pray for the children in Iraq. Just like felt these mm-hmm. weird, compelling things mm-hmm. to do. Um, sometimes I read my Bible and sometimes mm-hmm. I listen to worship music when no one else was doing it, okay. but didn't really understood why. And right. so even giving my life, I didn't understand why I felt like I should, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it just felt like I should. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I'm sure that's, a few, uh, probably several people's uh, testimony. Yeah. You know, we don't always realize like this is actually the most important decision of your life. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so your college years, right? Yeah. <laughs> you shared with me that you lived it up. I did. So talk about that and um, 
just what were some of your experiences in college? Yeah, so I don't think anything happens by accident. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure the Holy Spirit was like, let's get some hooks in her <laughs> before she goes outside. Yeah, yeah. So I grew up in a very, very, very strict household. Mm-hmm. My mom um, is the product of abuse and kidnap and all kinds. So she mm-hmm. was always afraid that something was wow. going to happen to us. Okay. So I, if if the girl had a brother or a father, which was usually the case, mm-hmm. I couldn't go. I never slept at people's houses except for my friend. She lived behind us. Okay. <laughs> so I slept at her house maybe twice. Um, <laughs> never was allowed to go to parties. Mm-hmm. Really couldn't mm-hmm. do much. Um, okay. And so, and always punished. Um, and so when I got to college, it was really my first, I never been to camp. It's like, so this is my first time, like, being outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, like lived it up to the fullest um I would if there was a party on Wednesday I was going on Wednesday um I partied probably Monday through Sunday um I would go to anything that I could go to be involved in anything I could be involved in Uh and just I was unsupervised yeah unsupervised and what college did you attend Syracuse University it was one of the top party schools in the nation at the time really yeah so were you enjoying yourself? I was having a blast. I was, <laughs> you know, like to be honest, I I was. I yeah. didn't have a care in the world. No one was telling me to stop, and mm-hmm. I was just doing whatever mm-hmm. felt exciting. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, what year of college? Because you encountered a woman, yes, um, that I believe basically reminded you of the importance of God, Kept right? Me tethered. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So talk about that. So again, just like, you know, with that little nudging to give my life mm-hmm. um to Christ, all of a sudden I I needed my hair done. And um when I was living in Maryland, my mom would drive me to DC to get my hair done. So mm-hmm. I didn't know um, you know, I have curly hair, but I couldn't find anybody who could do my mm-hmm, hair. Mm-hmm. And so um, I went to, I was in, I can't even remember what it was, multi, some multicultural society, and they had mm-hmm. an office. And I went in there asking them, you know, and they had this woman's business card. And so I made called her up, made an appointment with her, and I went, and she was from Panama, and I think I ended up getting my hair done for free. Mm-hmm. She was just amazing. She invited me to church, and then she was persistent, like, all four years. She would honk outside my door. It didn't matter if if I picked up the phone or whatnot. She was picking me up on Sundays, and I was staying with her the whole day. Wow. And um, she became really pivotal. I had some of my most, some of my first Holy Spirit experiences at that church, and it was because she would force me to come. A lot of times I would sit there and shake my head and didn't want to hear what the preacher had to say, Uh like, because it didn't line up with what I believed was right and true. Mm -hmm. And, but the Holy Spirit would get me every time I was in there. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. I love it. So when did you meet her again in college? Freshman year. It was your freshman year. That was my freshman year. So Monday through Saturday, partying. Yeah. And then on Sunday. And Sunday too. I would go to church. (laughs) And then after church, that's what I'm saying. Like, for me, I had no one was telling me what to do. And, and everything was, it was open season. So oh, hilarious. And yeah. did she know that about you? I'm sure she did. Knowing what I know about the spirit and things like that, I think uh-huh. that's why she was so persistent. Because she saw what God was already doing in me. Mm-hmm. And she loved me as a, she was a stranger. And mm-hmm. she loved me enough to make sure I was going to church. It wasn't just a older woman making, she it was almost like an auntie or a mom. Mm. She was very like attentive to my needs. If I needed food, if I mm-hmm. couldn't pay to get my hair done, she made mm-hmm. sure that I was 
straight. And so I think that was that was like the spirit speaking mm, to the spirit. Absolutely. Yeah. You ever reached out to her? Or has she reached out to you? No, no. Oddly enough, mm-hmm. um, I remember one time bumping into her business card, but never following through with it. Still, okay. and that was right after I had re- when I had gotten saved and moved to Florida. Mm-hmm. And, I still felt so much shame from how I had been living mm, that I couldn't I reach out to her. I yeah. understand that. Okay. So even with all of the partying and just craziness that was going on during mm-hmm. college, were you receiving things spiritually? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Um, for, you know, not to sound woo-woo, for a while in college, I wondered if I even might have had powers. Or something, because I would hear God's voice so audibly mm. and he would instruct me. And I, I didn't know what that was. You know, wow. no one had really discipled me. And so it became weird. Wow. And so some of my closer friends knew about it, but like nobody really knew. Wow. Because it was just weird to me, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. So talk about after you graduated college. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now you're not on campus. Maybe you're not around some of the same people. Mm-hmm. Um, where's your mindset and how are you spiritually at that point? Um, so when it came time to graduate college, I um, I was super lost. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even go to my graduation. I was very depressed. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know where I was going. I had decided probably my junior year that I did not want to go into fashion design. So, um, and my senior year was very difficult. Um, I just realized that my value system and who I was even at that time Mm -hmm. didn't line up with what I needed to do to be successful in that industry. So it became, I felt like I had wasted my time almost. And um, because of a lot of the, cattiness and the competition I didn't even have the confidence that I was even good at what I was doing Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so um I just didn't know what to do and Mm -hmm. so then it became I moved to Maryland and I was just still lost I kind of just was floundering really Mm -hmm. felt very lost Mm -hmm. disappointed in myself and discouraged Mm -hmm. so did you move to Maryland right away or yeah um on graduation day instead of going to my graduation I packed up a U-Haul truck and started driving home oh wow yeah wow you said forget graduation yep wow okay so at some point though mm-hmm. you get back to Maryland and you live in Baltimore mm-hmm. and you start your own fashion line so talk Correct. about that um so when I first moved to Maryland I couldn't find a job I tried McDonald's I tried everywhere um mm-hmm. wasn't getting hired mm-hmm. um and so McDonald's that was, wouldn't hire you? McDonald's said I was <laughs> overqualified and would mm, not hire me. And it wow. was so stressful because I couldn't get into the fashion industry because mm-hmm. I didn't have, I had to actually work. Mm-hmm. I didn't have intern for the, all the internships all everybody else had. So okay. they were hiring them and I was having to figure out how to get my foot in the door. Right, right, and right. so I couldn't find any work. And mm-hmm. so then my dad... Um, my dad's very well connected in the city, and mm-hmm. so he encouraged me to know to do certain things. So, I he brought me to this woman called the Tiny Taylor. I think mm-hmm. she was on Charles Street. She recently passed. Okay. Um, and 
she started introducing me to the boutique owner. She was kind of like the mama of the block. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever been to that part of Charles Street where all the boutiques are. Mm-mm. Well, people would buy from those boutiques and then take it to her to get them tailored. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so she'd been there the longest. Mm-hmm. And so she was like the mother of the block. So she introduced me to all the different boutique owners. And okay. that's when I started. I did Baltimore Fashion Week. Um, oddly enough, couldn't get hired at McDonald's, but won the <laughs> McDonald's award for illustrations. Okay. Um, okay. And... <laughs> Just different things like that. And so then when I brought all of that to her, then she, she helped me kind of like present it to the other boutiques so I can start getting my stuff in there. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a blessing. It was. So you said, however, that living in Baltimore was difficult for you. It was. Because you were unsupervised, just like yes. you were unsupervised in college, right? <laughs> yes. But you were unsupervised. And were you by yourself or did you have family in Baltimore? Um. So my dad was living actually... Near to you, near around here. Okay. Or actually closer to the church. Mm-hmm. And um, I would pop in and out of there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but for the most part, my dad was traveling. My mom at this point was living in Florida. She had a house in Maryland, and but she was down in Florida. And I was kind of just up here. So okay. if I didn't have a party to go to mm-hmm. or a boyfriend's house to be at, then right. I might sneak in late, sleep on my dad's couch. And then leave in the mornings, but I didn't really have like a a stable place to call my own at that point. Yeah, I remember you sharing that, you know, you would sometimes stay at your boyfriend's homes or Mm -hmm. um, living in and out of your car. Mm -hmm. Was that the case? Yeah. So, I mean, just talk about just where were you emotionally and mentally? Um, I was just, I had gotten used to when I was not drinking and not getting high, just being depressed. Mm. So it was always about trying to find the party and find what everybody was doing and what was going on mm-hmm. and keeping myself busy so I wouldn't have to sit with myself. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where I had gotten to. It was mm-hmm. just kind of like, hmm. it. nothing's panning out, nothing's mm-hmm. working out. Let mm-hmm. me just try to have fun and mm-hmm. be fun. And that was right. kind of my thing, you know. trying to dress up nice, trying to look cool, and then going out and finding a party. That was pretty much the Mm. gist of it. So it didn't really, I never really got to really look at my situation Mm -hmm. and sit in it because I didn't want to. So I didn't really look Mm -hmm. at the fact that I didn't have a home and that some nights I was spending in my car, you know. And a lot of the times also because I was too intoxicated to get where I was going, which is another issue. Mm. So Wow, wow. Okay, okay. So at some point... You are in a relationship, and it leads to pregnancy. Yes. So talk about that. So um, my now husband, um, at the time, we were on and off for since high school. Mm-hmm. And um, we would break up. We would date other people, and then we would get back together. Mm-hmm. So this was one of those um, instances where we had broken up, and this time was probably the longest time we had, didn't speak to each other. Okay. And so I thought it was kind of like over over and it was really sad for me and I started to date this other guy and then Eric my husband he like just popped back up all of a sudden he sent me a text and he was like you know can we meet up I have some Christmas and birthday gifts for you because mm-hmm. my birthday is so close to Christmas I was mm-hmm. like okay so we came back and we started talking and hanging out again and um you know, every now and then he would come and take, but all the while I was still kind of talking to this guy mm-hmm. who he ended up being very abusive mm-hmm. and he was an alcoholic. And so yeah. that's kind of like how we started hanging out was on the party scenes. Um, 
And so it was very hard to get rid of him um, mm. because of the abuse. He mm -hmm. would like lash out. There were times that we would break up and he would sit outside of my dad's apartment waiting for me to get home. Um, mm. Because once he and I were done, I stopped staying over there. And so I would, he would know that I'd either be at my dad's house or with Eric. And mm -hmm. so that became a lot. Wow. Um, so, yeah. Wow. Did your dad know what was going on? Um, he had an idea. We talked about it later. He mm -hmm. knew that I was in trouble when he was coming home one day and he heard yelling and shouting and screaming. Mm -hmm. And he was like, thought it was odd, mm -hmm. you know, cause he lived in like luxury apartments. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden he was like, I think that's my apartment. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, he walked in and he realized that I was being screamed at. And so he said it crushed him. Like he didn't know what to do. And mm -hmm. in that moment, because he kind of saw where I was, like I couldn't see where I was, but he realized that I was, this was the life that I was building for myself mm -hmm. and he was at a loss as to why. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So when you found out you were pregnant, mm -hmm. what were your emotions at the time? Um, I cried. I was, I was upset. Mm -hmm. I was very upset. I think I probably took like three tests. Um, very, 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 very upset, very disappointed in myself. I'm now like on top of the disappointment that was already there. Mm -hmm. Now I'm like sick with myself. I'm just yeah. like, what are you, yeah. what is this? Mm -hmm. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. Um, and I just felt like that was it. Like my life what I had, what I had wanted for my life now mm -hmm. wasn't going to happen. It was yeah. just, I had to do something else. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much where I was. And now. how old were you? Um, this was right after college. So mm -hmm. maybe I'm like 24, 24. Yeah. Okay. So how old are we at college? About 23. 21, 21, 22. Oh, so then maybe I'm like 22, 23. Now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're just going through so much emotionally, you yeah. know, after finding out that you were pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, and at some point in your pregnancy, um, something happened. Yeah. Um, so talk about, you know, what was the turning point with your pregnancy? Um, so I was, I, I can't remember which checkup it was, but I was going to like a routine checkup. Mm -hmm. And um, the doctor was like, you know, have you, do you think your water broke or anything like that? And I was like, no. And they were like, well, it looks like you're going into premature labor. So we're going to send you to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, they sent me to the hospital and, um, basically did some kind of procedure to stop the premature labor. Mm -hmm. Um, and then after that I was on bed rest. Um, and pretty much they told me like, I couldn't work. I couldn't go anywhere. I just had to lay down and they gave me a bunch of medicines. And so, um, that went on for probably like another month, month and a half. Um, so at this point, I'm probably like five and a half months pregnant. Okay. And um, I went to another, at this point, I'm going to the doctor weekly. Mm -hmm. And I went to another like routine checkup. Mm -hmm. And he was like, it's happening again. You're, you're, you're going into labor again. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. So they sent me to the hospital. And this time I'm in there for, I think, like a week. Um, or maybe two weeks because I think, or maybe a week and a half, because the goal was to get me to six weeks pregnant mm -hmm. and then transfer me to Johns Hopkins. Okay. Um, so at that point, um, 
I think maybe after being at the hospital for a week, they had me like on an incline bed with my legs up and um, in my sleep, my water broke. And so I woke up the next morning Mm -hmm. and the woman's like, no, I think you just had an accident. And I was like, no, I don't think so. And um, so finally they checked and they're like, yeah, you're going into labor. Um, And so at that point, then the doctor came in and he said, you have a choice to make. And he was like, you know, the chances of the baby surviving um, at, I think I was a week shy from six months at our facility is very slim. He said, but if you, if we continue to give you IV fluids and then you're risking the chance of you going septic Mm -hmm. and dying. Um, So, yeah. So at that point, I was so like just discouraged with how my life had been going. I didn't see what the point of was saving mm-hmm. my life over the baby's life. Wow. And so I told the doctor that I was going to, you know, I wasn't going to let them induce me and that I was going to hold on and see what happened. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Wow. 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 Okay. So <clears throat> at what point did you actually lose the baby? Um. So I think... Maybe it was at that point, it had only been 24 hours. I went to go to the bathroom and I like heard God tell me, he said, you know, like to trust him, to have faith. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, basically encouraging me to go ahead and deliver. And I, and I thought in that instant that he was going to save both of us. And so I came out, my my mom was hysterical because she thought, she was like, you're giving up, you know, this is like passive suicide, like she's freaking out. Mm. She's like, you're going to leave me here with this baby. And I came out and I told her, I was like, call the doctor. And I said, I think, I think we're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I think I heard from God. Because um, also when I had gotten pregnant, um, I realized I was like, I'm a terrible person. I'd make a horrible mom. So at that point, mm. like I'd really been trying to talk to God. And I had like church on TV all the time. And mm-hmm. I was always trying to read my Bible mm-hmm. and catch rides to church and things like that. Because at this point now, I don't even have a car. And I was like, God, you have to make me like a mom. Like yeah. you're going to have to show me like like make me a good person for this person Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and so at that point like i'm you know starting to converse with god and stuff so my faith is really built up in this moment and so my mom called the doctor in and um i told him i said you know you guys can go ahead and induce me they set me up for a time slot and i went forward with it and then um she had a heartbeat they had her hooked up and then as soon as she as soon as i gave birth the heartbeat stopped. Wow. Yeah. And they put her in my arms and that was it. Wow. Yeah. So did God ever reveal to you um, why he told you to go ahead and proceed with delivery? Um, I needed to experience that in order to fully give my life to Christ. Mm. Like, you know, as tragic as it was, it was life changing. And I know after the fact, um, I was laying in bed one night and, you know, God was basically like, you know, her life had to be sacrificed so that you could see how important your life is. Wow. You know, because in my mind, like there was nothing for me to do. Like mm-hmm. college was it. I didn't succeed. So that's it, you know. But mm-hmm. God was like, no, there's so much that I want you to do wow. that I need you to be here, mm. you know, and even you, be here without your daughter, you know, um, because we 
it, I had to sign a birth certificate. She was born alive. I had to do a funeral service. You know, that was, mm. that was my daughter. She has a first, middle, and last name, you know. And I had to learn how to get past that and learn how to still be thankful and still be grateful mm -hmm. and full of joy and not judge myself for that experience. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a lot of why I had to do that. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow. That's really powerful. God has a very mysterious way of doing things. Absolutely. Um, so you shared with me that after your baby's funeral, mm -hmm. you drove straight to Florida with your mom, right? Yes. So what was the inspiration behind that? Um, so I just needed to get away. So at this point, um, you know, Eric and I are still like on the outs. Um, okay. my ex is still at this point, he's been calling my mom and threatening her, my brothers and me, he's trying to find me. So it was just like a situation. Um, he was very angry that I had gotten pregnant. Um, and you know, because that let him know that I was with somebody right. else. Um, so in his mind, he had to, you know, I guess get vengeance or whatever. But So um, it wasn't him. It was actually someone else. It was Eric. Yeah. Oh, it was yes, Eric. Yes, it was Eric. Yeah. Oh, this whole time I'm thinking it's... No. Yeah. Oh, okay. It so was this Eric. was Eric. Yeah. Got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. And so that's where it kind of caused some kind of conflict between us because... You know, I'm in the middle of breaking up with this guy mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um, then, you know, Eric is like being Eric mm -hmm, <laughs> back in the day. Eric was he was Mr. Cool. <laughs> so it was like a lot going on. And I just okay. had to like get out of that environment. I needed to mm -hmm. start fresh. And gotcha. so originally the plan wasn't to stay in Florida. Apparently my mom had other plans. My mom is a whole force to be reckoned with. <laughs> but um I was supposed to be, so when I had gotten pregnant, I decided to go back to school to be okay. a teacher because I was trying to think, okay, what can I do and take care of my kid at the same time? So mm -hmm. I had already been teaching preschool since mm -hmm. I was 18. Mm -hmm. So I was like, all right, I'll be a school teacher and mm -hmm. that way I can have summers off. I can get off when I was trying to like think about what kind of kid I was. I was like, I need to be home when my kid gets home <laughs> from school. Like I need to yeah. be there in the summers. Yeah. So I went back to get my master's in education. And mm -hmm. that was the other thing. I think God did that so that I could become a teacher because that wasn't mm -hmm. going to happen mm -hmm. any other way. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so anyway, so I was going down to Florida, mm -hmm. um, but it was only supposed to be for a month until I got my refund check from school. And then I was going to move to California with my friends. And, that's just not what God mm -hmm, had for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So. Okay. So you get to Florida, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I remember you said that you went to a church service. Was that the same yes. day? Same day. Oh, it was a long day. Wow. So the church service was in the morning. And I think, I think their services were like at seven or something like that. I don't even know how my mom managed, but she drove us straight to Florida. From Maryland. From Maryland. And we got there and we went to, it was either Tuesday or Wednesday, no, I think it's Wednesday night services that they have. Mm -hmm. And we went to Wednesday night service that night. And that's how my, we thought my mom was drinking the Kool-Aid. Like we <laughs> thought she was way out there yeah. because I've never, my mom was very abusive when we were coming up. Okay. And she went down to Florida and came back with this softness that oh, I wow. had never seen in her before. Wow. And Every the way she spoke was she was a new person and it was freaky to us. We used to joke that you know like she was in a cult, like we didn't know what was going on because <laughs> Who she was, was this just, woman exactly. 
So then wow. when she drives me straight to this church, me and my my other brother, uh, one of my brothers, Julian, he was mm-hmm. with us at the time. And we were just like, oh, here we go. This is how serious she is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> She's going to drive us straight to the cult. Right. So we got in there. And I remember, um, I'm not a crier. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I feel like I'm going to cry, it usually comes out as like anger. So I remembered at this point, like I'm probably the saddest that I've ever been in my life. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know what to do with it. At this point, like I, the people who'd passed away around me, I never had relationships with them. So I never mm-hmm. really had lost anyone that I was very close yeah. with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like there's this sadness that I was unfamiliar with and it, I felt it. It mm. was like heavy yeah. and it, it just felt like this blanket, this pressure all over me, like felt like my lungs wouldn't fill up to capacity. Mm. Just everything just was like, everything Mm. felt like it was exhausting. Mm -hmm. It was just a lot. And I remember walking into the church service, not wanting to be there. I'm also not an extrovert at all. (laughs) (laughs) So like just even meeting new people, like all of this feels like a lot after like the past two weeks have been a whirlwind. I literally only have the clothes on my back the a lip gloss in my pocket like mm. that's I have nothing and mm. I'm just down there and I'm like I felt like it was very selfish of her to like put mm-hmm. me in this situation mm-hmm. and I didn't see what she was trying to do at the mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. and then at the end of service um she was being mentored by a man named Pastor Bourdais mm-hmm. and she asked him to come and pray for me mm-hmm. and I remember that with first prayer was like the beginning of that heaviness mm-hmm. lifting off mm-hmm. And I remember all of a sudden, you know, like being able to see around me and see that things were clearer a little bit. Mm. It was like this weird, like, wait a minute, what just happened kind of moment. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. So you already explained um, just that whole. I'm I'm just trying to picture you're leaving your baby's funeral. Yeah. And you get in the car with your mom. (laughs) Yeah. And your brother, right? Yeah, and her friend. And, and they'd all friend. been there to witness everything, too. So it's just real awkward. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's a long drive. A long drive. I'm sure you're probably tired at that service, right? Yes. <laughs> but God just showed up mm-hmm. mightily in that moment when he prayed for you. So yeah, um, <laughs> that's amazing. So your parents were afraid... Um, you kind of touched on it, I think, mm-hmm. uh, when you said that you were in the hospital, mm-hmm. that your mom said this is passive suicide, right? Mm-hmm. Were there other moments where they were afraid about you being suicidal? Yeah. Um, so apparently my mom had been afraid the whole time that I was pregnant. I really didn't want to have the baby. Um, I wouldn't even let people throw me a baby shower. Um, and I was just really disappointed in myself Mm -hmm. I also once I found out it was a girl I became very depressed um because my mom and I had such a strained relationship Mm -hmm. and I didn't want that with my daughter Mm -hmm. and I didn't even know how to begin to not have a relationship like that with my daughter I just was very stressed out thinking about how do you do that better um so I think it was just kind of that in that season, I wasn't like taking care of myself. Like mm-hmm. I'd put my hair in a bun and like leave it there. Mm-hmm. And like just my mom knew that I was very particular about how I looked and how I took care of myself mm-hmm. and like how I carried myself and like kind of all of that went on the back burner. Mm-hmm. And she just mm-hmm. saw me slowly just 
not living anymore. So at some point, you began attending uh, lay minister classes at Mm -hmm. this church. Um, So what inspired that? Was that something that you wanted to do or? No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Pretty much it was just to the point where my mom wanted me to go everywhere she was going. Mm -hmm. Um, She wanted me fully submerged. So lay ministry classes is what she was taking. So that's what I was taking. Um, If she went to church on Monday, I went. If she was doing ministry on Saturday, Uh I went. So that's pretty much how it was. And that's why I was in church every single day because she was in church every single day. (laughs) Wow. So were you actually gaining from these classes? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Especially in the lay ministry class, um, like I had told you previously, Pastor Bourdais even let me take the test and write the essay and stuff like that mm-hmm. and actually complete the course because I I just was hungry. I went wow. all in and um, you know, there it was it, it was just on from there. Wow. You know? yeah. Wow. So, you know, did your mom notice your growth? Was she um, you know, just was, did she notice? Was she observant of that? And how was your relationship with her? Was it growing? Was it getting better? Talk about that. Um, so she definitely noticed that I was growing. Um, mm-hmm. She was really excited about the fact that she, she wished that she knew Jesus as young as I was mm-hmm. um, and was excited about the potential for my life knowing mm-hmm. Christ so young. Um, but you know, it had, it definitely changed our relationship. Even me becoming pregnant kind of changed our relationship Mm-hmm. a little bit because I was able to appreciate my mom from a different perspective mm-hmm. and really think about like, despite all the reasons we didn't get along, um, I really had a respect for the sacrifice that she made for mm-hmm. us as our mom. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So we did grow in that aspect, mm-hmm. but um, it did, it still wasn't a good place for me to live. You know, mm-hmm. it was a, I think I stayed there maybe a year and a half or two years and then I ended up moving out. Okay. Again. Yeah. Now, your siblings, um, how were they taking note of you? Um, So my brother, who had driven down to Florida with me, he actually ended up giving his life to Christ as well, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, really seeing that I've changed and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, My other brother thought that I had joined the call as well. (laughs) (laughs) He was like a little freaked out because, you know, it was such an extreme difference from how I was and then like what happened with your mom I'm not drinking yeah it was like a totally different thing and he's like Uh wait a minute you know and so then when he came down and saw in person he really saw that you know I had changed for real like it was in my heart my Mm -hmm. heart had changed I love that yeah I love that I love that so in a particular class that you were attending Mm -hmm. you mentioned that um you know, some people there laid hands on you and it was just such a powerful moment and and it was a breakthrough for you. So talk about that. Um, yeah. So I remember that that was a really impactful day, um, because there was just this, I had this desire for this feeling that heaviness was still on me. I was still very much depressed. Um, but you know, I had hope now Mm -hmm. and I would, you know, go to the pool and try to sink myself at the bottom of the pool to just feel this, this feeling. I couldn't figure out what it was, but I needed this pressure feeling on me. Um, and so one day they were doing prayer and, um, they called me up and I went up to the front and it was Miss Cheryl, Miss Angie and Pastor Bourdais and they Mm -hmm. laid hands on me. And I just remembered that feeling that I had been looking for that, that pressure, almost Mm -hmm. like a hug from God. It was just like this, It was not bad pressure, but it was just like this squeeze. And it just felt so good. 
And when I finally came to, I was laid out on the ground mm-hmm. in tears. And I just, that moment, all of a sudden, it was like that heaviness had broken off mm-hmm. of me. And it was, mm-hmm. it was really catapulted me into where I was like going. Wow. In my relationship. Wow. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So as it catapulted you, you delved much deeper mm-hmm. into just your relationship and the things of God. Um, so just talk about that, you know, now that you're renewed and the, the pressure is off and, you know, um, talk about how your relationship was at this point And also, were you meeting any friends that were Christian? Talk about that. Um, so at this point, um, I, I guess as hard as I went when I found out that I could be free at mm-hmm. school <laughs> is how hard I went mm-hmm. for God. Like I wow. would stay up all night reading the Bible. Like I didn't need sleep. I, <laughs> I wanted to go to the classes now. I wanted to be in church. Mm-hmm. Um, I started teaching missionettes on Wednesdays. Like anything that I could do to volunteer at the church, I wanted mm-hmm. to be there, mm-hmm. hand out waters, whatever it was. <laughs> and I was just excited. I was yeah. on fire, that that new feeling you get when you give your life to Christ. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, But I was still leery about friends. <laughs> um, I had this, um, this one friend, and she was very persistent. <laughs> and she was in the lay ministry classes. I would see her at the prayer meeting. She was at all the stuff. And she was the other person in a group that was my age. I think she was a little <laughs> older than me. And mm-hmm. she just wanted to be my friend so bad. And... I love her now. I'm so glad that we're friends. I'm glad that she was persistent. Yeah. But I just, I, I'm not a very social person, but she insisted. Mm-hmm. And so um, we ended up living together. When I moved out of my mom's house, she actually was the one to come and pick me up. And she took me to her place. Okay. And she would let me use her car during the oh, day. Wow, like, wow. she was great. She was a great wow. friend. And she had another friend staying with her, too. So it was three of us in a one-bedroom apartment. Mm-hmm. I ended up getting an apartment and the two of them moved in with me. Oh, okay. And so she had these friends from Bethune-Cookman, which was up the street from us, Mm -hmm. and they were all saved as well. And we used to have these worship sessions. I remember I was getting my master's degree. Mm -hmm. The first time they came over and I was like, what is this? I Mm -hmm. thought we were going to have a study session. And they came out, whipped their guitars out, and they were banging on things and singing. And it was, like, the most free. I'd never been around people my age like that, Mm -hmm. too, also, that were just Mm -hmm. on fire for God. Mm -hmm. And God just gave me this beautiful season um, of about three years where I was just immersed in him. It was I worked at a Christian place. I hung out with Christians. Mm -hmm. I went to church every day. It was just this beautiful incubation season Mm. in my life wow 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 yeah I love that I love that um that's amazing so did you ever have any moments where you wanted to go back to your past even in the midst of all of that um I would never say that I wanted to fully go back like I my I probably spent most of my childhood most of the college, just depressed, just not happy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't say that I ever wanted to go back to feeling like that. Um, of course, there were times, you know, when there were certain things that would come up that I couldn't do or it felt like I couldn't do that I was just like, oh, well. But the beautiful thing is, is that God showed me early on that our my relationship with him wasn't about a, rules don't do this and don't do that. Mm-hmm. That as long as I stayed in communion with him and mm-hmm. read his word yeah. and, and had a heart for him, yeah. he would show me exactly what was for me and what wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't have Absolutely. to worry about, which was my problem with church from before was 
it felt like this list of rules that nobody could obey, mm. but they was going to come at you about making sure you were on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so then it became, God was like, no, you know, tithing isn't a rule. Mm-hmm. Tithing is something you get to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Not getting drunk is not a rule. I don't, that it's, let's talk about your spirit and this relationship with this and why you're doing this. Yep. And so it became like a whole different way to look at God and what mm-hmm. he was keeping me safe from. Mm-hmm. So I can't ever say that I've, I've ever wanted to go mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. Um, do I struggle? Absolutely. Like right. everybody else, right. you know, but I've never been like, Oh, mm-hmm. being a Christian is too much. I <laughs> quite the opposite. Like sometimes when I get really low, I just go, God, I don't even know how I could do life without you, you know, because Mm -hmm. I had a glimpse. He was there. Mm -hmm. I was never without him. He was always talking to me and with me. That Mm -hmm. was part of the grace in my life. Mm -hmm. But that darkness, I would never want to go back to that dark place. I know that's right. I know that's right. I've been there before too. And don't want to go back. Mm -mm. Don't want to go back. Absolutely. Um, At some point, I believe Eric comes back into your life, right? Yes. So talk about that. And did he move to Florida? He did. He did. <laughs> he did. He did. Okay. Um, so Eric's another persistent friend in my life. Um, <laughs> so when I just actually, when I moved to New York, it was part, part of it was to get away from him. Okay. And he would even drive my boyfriend up to New York to come see me. That's how persistent Eric was that wow. I was going to see his face. Um, so <laughs> I moved to Florida. Wow. <laughs> and I pretty much cut everybody off except for my two best friends in California. Mm-hmm. And Eric was one of them. And I called him up one day and I told him, I said, I've experienced what real love is. And I realized that I don't love you. And okay. I left it at that. And that was the last <laughs> time I spoke to him for like over a year. So when was that? When at I'm, what point? Um, when I gave my life to Christ. When you gave your out. life yeah. to Christ. Okay. Um, between realizing the love that I had for my, my daughter and I knew her for seconds, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that total turnaround from not wanting her to just yeah. being overwhelmed with love for this person mm-hmm. that I don't know. Mm-hmm. And that made me like reevaluate. I was like, wait a minute. Do I love these people that right, so that's why right. it made it easy for me to clean the slate. Uh-huh. Um, and so um, I came back up to Maryland for a funeral, mm-hmm. and my friend Keith had picked me up mm-hmm. with Eric in the back seat. <laughs> and so that's how Eric <laughs> came back in the picture. Okay. Um, so then, you know, I gave him my new number mm-hmm. and we started talking again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one day my mom was like, you know, I think that Eric's your husband. Mm-hmm. And oddly enough, um, before I even had started talking to Eric again, I was standing in the foyer about to go pick up my little brother from the bus stop. And mm-hmm. I heard God I was putting the leash on the dog. And I heard God say that Eric was my husband. And I, um, I can't remember verbatim what the words were, but I remembered standing up <laughs> and being so frustrated and shaking my head like that can't even be right. Now, now normally, <laughs> normally when God reveals to a woman <laughs> that this is your husband, it's like, oh my God, really yeah. God? Yeah. But for you, <laughs> I was like, no, there's no way because I had already been done with that chapter yep. of my life and I wasn't even talking to him mm-hmm. anymore. And even just the experience of, you know, Eric didn't come to the hospital. Like, it was just like oh, this wow. whole, yeah. Okay. And so, you know, I was I was just, that, that door was closed. Yep. So for me, that felt inconvenient. It didn't feel like where I was going. I was like, there's 
plenty of Christian men around me. And like at this time, you know, like as far as I know, Eric's not even a Christian. You know what I mean? When I was in college, he had said, you know, he gave his life to Christ. Mm -hmm. This and the third that he couldn't hang out with me if I was still going to be partying and so on and so forth. He had said all these things, but then was still (laughs) partying. So for me, I was like, no, like now that I know what Christianity is, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm good. So I was not excited about that revelation at all. And quite frankly, I was I didn't think it was God. Like at that mm-hmm. moment, like it felt like it in my mm-hmm, spirit. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, not afraid, but you know that feeling you get that mm-hmm. reverence. And I was just like, mm-hmm. but I was like, there's no way that the <laughs> Lord would tell me to go back. So it got to the point where Eric's calling me and then he was like all the time and he's what would it take for you to move back to Maryland? And I told him, I said, I would never go back to Egypt. <laughs> That's what I told him. Oh, Larry, yes. <laughs> I told him I God would never. delivered me out of bondage <laughs> exactly. from that place. I am not going never back. Go. Why, would, why would I go back? That doesn't, and I told him, I said, I don't go back. I don't go backwards right. in my life. Like I was so adamant about it. Here we are. I live in Maryland. But, like, I was so not coming. Yeah. And that's how he came to be in Florida. Um, because I was, I was adamant and he called me one day and he started like, it didn't even make sense. He, he was talking about, you know, all, I, I see myself hunting for you. Like he just starts like saying scriptures and stuff like that. And I'm like, no, (laughs) just, just no. And I was like, well, come down here and let's, and let's see what happens. Let me reintroduce you to my family. Mm -hmm. Let's see. So he came for a visit and everyone was just so excited about him. And I'm like, since when? <laughs> like, everything changed. And I'm like, wow. okay. Wow. And so then I kept putting, then all of a sudden, like, I felt like that feeling for him. Mm. And I was just like, gosh. So we would put wagers out there. I was, I'd never been fishing before. And I said, you know, if I catch more fish than you, then you got to, you got to move down here. And okay. if you find a job, you got to, I caught 21 pounds of catfish. He caught none. He found a job. He found several jobs in one week while he was down here visiting over down in Florida visiting. I mean, everything. I told him wow. anything that we put out there as a wager to see if he was supposed to be down uh-huh, there. Uh-huh. That happened. It was like the sheep, the, the lambs. Is it wet? Is it dry? That's how it was. And it was yeah. just like every time. Okay. So by the end of summer, Eric packed up all his stuff. And for the first time, he left Carroll County and moved down to Florida. Wow. Yep. And so that's how we started back up. Now, how long had you been in Florida at this point? At that point, I had been in Florida for about three years. Okay. Yeah, three or four years. So I had already finished my master's, started teaching at my Mm -hmm. first school, and he moved about 30 minutes from my house. Wow. Yep. Wow, wow. Yep. (sighs) Okay. So, um, when did you guys decide to move to Maryland? And I can't remember. Well, no, I do remember. You guys got married here in Maryland. Yes. Um, So, at what point did you both decide to go back or to come back home? Um, So, I wasn't going to come. I was (laughs) pretty adamant about that. And even at this point, you know, um, Eric had taken me engagement ring shopping. He'd been talking about getting married. Mm -hmm. Um, But... I still wasn't convinced. Um, there mm-hmm. were still some things that I was seeing in him that didn't make me feel like I was ready to uproot my life like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I guess it was the December before we got engaged. Mm-hmm. His mom's health was really bad. She'd been battling cancer for, mm-hmm. I think, about five years at that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... Um, <clears throat> it was getting really bad. So he was thinking about moving back up to Maryland. Mm-hmm. 
and I encouraged him to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, but he wanted me to quit my job and come up. And I and I told him, I said, you know, unless we're engaged and we have a wedding date set, I'm not going to quit my job right. and, and move from my home. Mm-hmm. And I'm not mm-hmm. doing that. Um, so that's where we left it. Mm-hmm. He left his dog with me so I could take care of him, take mm-hmm. care of the dog while he was taking care of his mom. Mm-hmm. And then he asked me if, if I would fly up for Valentine's Day. And he flew me up. And that's when he proposed. And he was wow. like, um, I want to get married as soon as possible. And I want you to come move to Maryland with me. So that began that process. <laughs> that was uh, about five years ago. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that's that's definitely an amazing story. And um, I just want you to say now, today, mm-hmm. your relationship with God now, um, what does it mean to you? Not to sound cheesy, it's everything. <laughs> um, you know, when I wake up in the morning, my the, my alarm says, "The joy of the Lord is your strength," mm-hmm. and that literally is what keeps it going. You know, mm-hmm. I I come from a generations of the depression curse mm-hmm. on my family mm-hmm. and anxiety and all of that stuff. And mm-hmm. if it wasn't for God and his truth and his word, I would just be a hot mess. Mm-hmm. Like I, I would literally just worry all the time and be anxious all the time and upset all the time and, and, and judge myself and criticize myself all the time into doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And because God wakes me up every morning and he loves on me every day. And because I have that relationship with him, I can choose to do great every day. Mm-hmm. And that's so he's, he's my, every, he's the fuel. He's what keeps me going. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, if you could tell your younger self something, <laughs> what would it be? Um, I guess, you know, that I was beautiful, that you're beautifully and wonderfully made and that no matter what it looks like on the outside, no matter what everybody else is doing, no matter what everybody else says, if you listen to what God says, you stick with God, then Mm -hmm. it's, it's going to be great. Everything's Mm going to be great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been great. Tatiana. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you so much for just sharing a bit of your story because I know that there's more, but you shared only a portion, but what you shared, I know is going to bless many people. Um, and I do admire just your strength, um, because I didn't know that old Tatiana. I know the, (laughs) I know the renewed one. (laughs) Um, but I just based Based off of what you shared, um, the work of God, the hand of God is all on you, you know, just based on who I see you as today. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes, you know, that saying, um, I don't look like what I've been through. Yes, exactly. I would have never known any of that, you know, any of that because of how far God has brought you. Absolutely. So um, thank you, God. Yes. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) So I want you to shout out your business. If you want to shout out your... um, is it TikTok handle? Is that what it's called? No, it's Instagram handle. It is handle. a TikTok handle. I okay. actually don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. Okay. Well, um, yeah. and when I edit, yeah. I'll make sure I... Oh, put it know. in. Yeah, cool. Thanks. But yeah, just go ahead and, and tell a little bit about your business. Um, So I'm actually a watercolor artist, and I make uh, prints of my artworks. So prints you can hang, prints you can wear. Um, I have a society six page that um, you can get rugs, quilts, tables, anything with my watercolors on it. So that's 
pretty much where I'm going right now. Um, so it's A-W-L-R in design, and it stands for Always With Love. Okay. Yep. Okay. I wondered what it meant. Yep. What yep. it stood for. Okay. Always now I know. And you have one yes. of your designs on yes, your shirt. Yes, I do actually have one of my designs mm-hmm. on now. That's mm-hmm. on my Society Six page. Okay. So yeah. Awesome stuff. And I know you're not too uh, comfortable with shouting out yourself. No. I'm still going to ask you a <laughs> okay. question about your art. Cool. So, um, is your art a bit abstract? I ask that because I'm looking at your shirt, right? And it's clearly someone's face. Yes. Um, but there's flowers around the face. So talk, explain what that means and what oh. some of your art means. Okay. So, yes. Yeah. So um, I would say it's a little, some of it's abstract, some of it's surreal. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we're buddy. <laughs> so a lot of the faces and stuff you see is from my collection called Proverbs 31. Okay. Well, it's not, it's called 31, but it's based mm-hmm. on Proverbs 31 and it's kind of a coming of age collection. So when I was turning 31 is when I did this collection my grandma had just passed away, and okay. I was living in floor home, no internet, no TV, no cell phone service, no mm-hmm, nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I had a lot of time to create. And so I just, these spaces would come to my head and these design ideas. And basically, the premise of it is each one is titled with a line from Proverbs 31. Okay. And the premise of it is, is how. Even in Proverbs, you see the juxtaposition of the woman. It's like you're working, but you're also taking care of your kids. And so it's Mm -hmm. like all these different things. And so a lot of the time and during this time, you know, I'm grieving my grandmother Mm -hmm. and I'm going to work in front of kids and smiling. And I'm putting on the show and I'm dressing nice and putting the makeup on. So a lot of my drawings, you'll see the woman might be crying or she might have a pensive look or an angry look. But then there's flowers and butterflies and the colors are very soft. And so it's kind of that two, the two sides of the woman. It's the beauty that we present. But at the same time, we're also warriors. Mm. And so that's what a lot of my artwork is based off I love that. I love that because I would see some of your pictures and I, I, I just would think, I want to ask her, what does it mean? What does it represent? Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. I love talking about my work. (laughs) Yeah. Once I get going, I can get going. Yeah. But if somebody's like, tell me about yourself, I'm like, it's art. Just just move the chair to the front, right? Exactly. (laughs) Got you. Well, that's good stuff. Go ahead and make sure you follow her on TikTok, right? Yes. I am on TikTok. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's AWL Art. And also on Instagram as well. It's mm-hmm. AWL Art. And um, I'm on Facebook as well with mm-hmm. my name. So you should be able to find me on there. And from there, you can find everything else. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. Thank cool. you. I appreciate thank it. You. Go check out, y'all. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so before we end, I just want you to share any any wisdom, any advice for any be- anybody out there who um, maybe has lived a past life similar to yours, or maybe they're in it now mm-hmm. and they don't know what to do. Maybe they're hopeless. Um, maybe someone out there has lost a child. Mm-hmm. Um, any, any advice, any encouragement that you want to give just flow? Um, God doesn't waste anything. Um, every situation, every trial, every circumstance, every heartache, um, everything even the people that are in your life that don't mean well for you, God doesn't even waste that. Mm-hmm. He uses everything to make something awesome. And if you look for the awesome, you'll see it, mm-hmm. you know, but if you look at what's happening, then you'll miss it. That's right. And so I just, uh, I want everybody to be encouraged to look for God's hand, even when it's messy. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Well, y'all heard it. (laughs) Um, Thank you again, Tatiana, for being on. I appreciate you so much. 
thank you for having me absolutely absolutely thank you so much for listening i pray that what you've heard encouraged you to remain hopeful and to never stop believing in god's strategic and perfect plan for your life if you like what you've heard please subscribe rate and hit the notification bell to be notified of future episodes You can also head over to my YouTube channel to check out the video recording and subscribe. I hope you'll tune in for the next episode. God bless.